into the studio mm. the guest chooses a topic mm-hmm. and we plunge into the wkcr archives the vast holdings of wkcr mm. and we find live unreleased recordings of the artist chosen by our guest and i'm very charmed pleased as punch to welcome to the studio mark whitfield hey uh, so when does the guest get here Oh, I got to uh, call somebody, man. <laughs> somebody told me Russell Malone was coming. That's the pizza delivery guy. <laughs> Mitch, thank you so much, man. This is awesome. I'm so glad to be here. This is great. And, and uh, can I tell him what my choice was? Or? Yeah, man. Uh, I mean, it's West Montgomery's 100th year. So, um, of course, it's West Montgomery. Of course. None other than West Montgomery. And to praise him... Hmm is to be accounted honorable, I believe. Sure. In the eyes of all music lovers the world over. He is, there's none more worthy of our attention and our focus than Wes Montgomery. Absolutely. When, uh, do you remember when you first became aware of him? Oh, sure. Uh, Yeah. Um, I, you know, I uh, played the contrabass in, in elementary school in junior high school and my first scholarship to Berkeley was asking as a bass player um, I also played guitar I took private lessons as a little kid um, and well, my bass teacher a guy named Ray Williams on Long Island great bass teacher uh, turned me on to Ray Brown and I had wow. some Oscar Peterson records and featuring Ray Brown and Joe Pass and Herb Ellis and so forth and then my parents my last year of high after 10th grade we left Long Island moved to Seattle and, and uh, I went to a record there used to be a, a a record store downtown Seattle, and I went and bought a bunch of records and blah blah blah. And I thought I was hip, man. I, I knew all about Joe Pass, and I was hip, absolutely. Uh, Joe Pass, a teacher of mine, a history teacher, a guy named Harry Appitts at Bellevue High School, turned me on to a, a, a young gentleman by the name of Charlie Christian, and then I figured that's it. I got it down, <laughs> and then I, I got another scholarship offer and talked my parents into allowing me to enroll to Berkeley College of Music in September of 1983. First day there, the guy who was the R.A. on my dorm room floor played me a West Montgomery song. Uh-oh. Just one song. The first song, uh, Round Midnight, from the West Montgomery Trio with Mel Ryan and George Brown, or Paul Parker. Blew my mind. And from that day forward, uh, uh, West was my whole guy. Is it? All, all about West. 
What's special about West Montgomery? Oh, what grabbed I mean, you first? Listen, at, at that point, I was 16, so I graduated high school early, and I hadn't studied uh, jazz guitar at all, really, yet. Uh, uh, it was a new frontier for me. So the first thing that struck me was, uh, um, why does he... Why? Why does? What are those octaves? What are those? What are those things he's doing? Two notes at once. Say what's what's the octave? And and where did all those chords come from? <laughs> like, I'm I'm looking at my guitar and going, it doesn't have that many chords on it. That, um, that octave thing is one of the first things that grabs your ear. Yeah, well, you know, but listening to that, you know, like I'm saying, listening to that that his version of of, of uh, around midnight, you know, this the introduction alone is, you know, uh, there are chord, there are two and three and four note chord voicings that he's playing that I had no idea even existed so you know I'm, I'm new to the experience and chords were my th- you know immediately struck by his by his chord playing um uh and then the beauty of his sound which at the time i did not know was thumb generated like i did you know i'm brand new to this right and so uh, um within a week or so i had caught up uh, uh so I've, i'd say first of all the elegance uh, um with which he played uh, uh the majesty sort of this sort of grace in the way that he plays melodies and, and flows through chord chordal passages and 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 uh, and, and inter, in, you know intersperses these, these octave passages and then uh just the beauty of his sound it's just um unmatched and so uh those are the things that struck me at first can you i don't know if it's something you could put into words describing that that sound that he gets um, if you want to give it a try or not, okay. uh, sure. Um, you know, if, 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 if you know, the sound, as I said, playing coming from playing the contrabass, most of my uh, formal training was playing with a bow, right? And then so we played some pizzicato fingers and all that. Um, uh, and so I really only, you know, and I played a little electric bass, obviously, but I had never even thought I didn't study any classical guitar, so I didn't have. Uh, um, a concept or a sound within my what I, I'll refer to this a lot tonight. My my imagination's ear. It's like if if my you know if my my imagination had had could hear and project a, a thought for sound. That's what I referred to. And so my imagination hadn't even uh, um, considered what playing with my thumb might sound like. But uh, the best way to describe it, it's um, focused uh, enough. Uh, to be heard on top of an ensemble so that the sound was, could soar uh, and cut through, but mellow enough uh, 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 to be played at, at, uh, 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 to be played in any environment without, without ever being harsh. And the guitar certainly is known for be, at, at very things. You can certainly be as harsh as you want. With uh, West was just no matter uh, um, how hard he dug in or how, how you know how. how how sharp the attack was, the sound was always caressed, uh, uh, and 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 um, not to say soft, but caressed in that it, you know he it, the, each with with the, with each attack the note draws you in, and 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 it never it never pushes you back, and so to me that the essence of his sound is is forever inviting, no matter and and, and preps you for what's coming. Very well put. Uh, I just want to address, we're having <laughs> WKCR, the home of technical difficulties. We've got them. <laughs> oh, I, and I tend to bring them with me. So. <laughs> no, 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 no. We had this. We had All right. This. Can I do anything to help? No. All right. But um, it's kind of interesting. I'm uh, <laughs> This uh, microphone's on an arm that's busticated, mm. and um, apparently the Oh, other you're not supposed to hold it. You're not supposed to, it's supposed to hold itself. This other mic I was using, I got a text message from guitarist Ben Tyree. Hey! <laughs> who's uh, clearly on point, more than me in a way. 
and uh, that we weren't hearing me initially. So I'm oh. now holding this cocktail. Oh, I see. Sorry, sorry. If you can endure this, I was talking to myself basically. Thanks, Ben. I appreciate hearing you. That's the important thing. (laughs) So we might uh, after this mic break, we'll get it all sorted out. So beautifully, don't mind a few little squeaks. But no, you just raised a really interesting thing that I never thought about. Really, that's really I don't know. Maybe it's interesting. Maybe it's not. But thinking about guitar and bass Mm. and Wes, that mostly bass players we're used to listening to in this music, whether they're playing um, upright or electric, Mm -hmm. they're playing skin on string. Sure. Guitar players are usually playing pick on string. Absolutely. Wes is playing skin on string. Mm -hmm. Is that a significant distinction, do you think? For sure. And also, it's the way that he's applying that, you know, that technique. Um, playing with, if, if we're, ta- we, we're going to number your fingers on your right hand, thumb being one, forefinger being two, right? So from two to four, because of the angle, if you just can imagine, those of you who are listening, imagine, you know, the angle of your hand facing down at the strings. Playing, you're, you're pulling up, making a fist, right? Making a claw. That's a very strong motion, right? So you're, you're, you're likely to pluck the strings with a certain amount of, uh, of intensity, creating a, a, you know, kind of a, a, um, a sharp sound. So, you know, it's uh, almost like bass players, you know, electric bass players thumping with the, th- with the thumb and, and plucking with the forefinger, right? And so it, you can get a mellower sound, but it requires a certain amount of finesse, right? Uh, uh, but inherently, that, you know, that's a strong action, a strong, a strong motion, making a claw-type uh, motion with your first and second finger, plucking strings, right, like a bass player would. Wes... Uh, uh, anchoring uh, his hand by putting his three feet, three, four, and five down at the at the heel of the of the you know the the bottom of the cutaway, and then gently moving his thumb down up and down across the strings is going to create a must. It's a it's a much uh, softer, uh, more finesse uh, uh, based motion. So the sound, the thumb, thumb of course, uh, being a, a, a larger. Uh, um, surface of skin that also you know provides for a much uh, uh, allows for a much warmer sound you know one of the things that I, I i had to focus on as i was developing my sound was was learning how to get more flesh on the string with the left hand you know and and, and finding a way to to approximate west's west's attack even using a pick with the right so anytime you got a, a you know a large flesh surface to put on the string that equals warmer sound no matter what and so that combined with the motion um, it also gave West this really graceful sweeping motion for playing chords. So he could finger three, four, five, six note chords, however he wanted on the left hand, it's, uh, across three, four, five, or six strings, the left hand. But mute the strings he didn't want to play and have this lovely sort of sweeping motion uh, uh, with the thumb that created that smooth sound, whether it was octaves, octaves with thirds, sixth, or ninth, or, and then chords. It's just beautiful. So now, uh, once again, the WKCR archives came through, Mm -hmm. and uh, we've got some fantastic recordings. I know you know about this run. Well, maybe, I don't know, I'm putting you on the spot a little bit maybe, and feel free to deflect, but uh, the year 1965 Mm -hmm. in the life and recorded history of Wes Montgomery, um, kind of a landmark moment, and that's what we're going to be focusing on. Yeah, so if you're talking about the half note, you know, uh, Verve actually um, had Russell Malone and I uh, get together and, and uh, 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 Bill Mikowski, I think, interviewed us uh, 
as part of the liner notes for the for when they re released all that stuff. Um, interestingly enough, I, I like to share this anecdote whenever I can. I have a few interesting anecdotes about one of my favorite musicians, a great man, Jack DeJunet. And Jack actually said that one night he got to play piano with Wes and the Winton Kelly trio. He got to be Winton Kelly because it was in, in a situation where Winton wasn't there. And so uh, uh, Jack played some piano. And so... Usually when I mention this, they're like, wow, I can't imagine Jack playing drums with Wes. Well, you don't have to because you can imagine him playing piano. It's very interesting. A uh, lot of uh, people don't, don't realize. Yeah. I think he might have even started out on piano, he but yeah. He's great he's, yeah. This, the other anecdote I like to mention, this is Ron Jack, is that um, uh, while Stormy Monday is often associated with T-Bone Walker, Jack's grandmother wrote it and sold it to T-Bone Walker for 50 bucks. There you go. Boom. That is a revelation. There you go. <laughs> that is a revelation. I never knew that. Yeah, he told me himself so. Wow. Wow. Man. So, yes, it is. We are going to the half note. And some of this stuff has come to light. Some of it, um, like what we're going to hear tonight, I don't think has. I don't think this has been commercially released. And um, it's, uh, you know, Wes is recording. I think he's recording for Verve already at this point And making, playing, like, uh, among other things, instrumental versions of pop tunes. And his versions, his instrumental versions are becoming big pop tunes sure sure and he's playing major venues concert venues mm -hmm. all across europe mm -hmm. and then in new york at night he's going downtown to this little spot the half note was on spring street yeah. okay. and from what i've heard about it it was kind of the place where the cats used to hang out oh, for sure open late and i think they let the fellas come in and not worry about paying and um it was kind of a home spot for everybody and there was also a live broadcast Friday nights on oh, yeah. WABC FM with Alan Grant was the host. Oh yeah. And thankfully some of this stuff got recorded and we have it for you. So this is some real fly on the wall type recording. Oh yeah. I mean I can imagine why Wes would want to do that. You know, you, 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 make, you make a point to say, you know, he's doing all this stuff during the day and getting down there at night. You know, one of the I remember seeing uh I have to remember too when I you know, I was a kid coming up. I'm almost 60 now, so we didn't have videos on YouTube and all that. I mean, the internet. I got my first computer in the 90s, right? So, uh, 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 But, like, uh, there's a video of Wes making an appearance on a television show, and I can't remember what show it is, but basically he just comes out. It's a play-along, right? And he's going to come out and play along to his record for an audience. The guitar isn't plugged in, and he's wearing an orange creamsicle suit with, like, a t creamsicle tuxedo with, like, you know, and and he just looks so completely annoyed that he's got to, like, stand there and play. He's trying to be cool, but he's, like, playing, and he's not plugged in. He's trying to hear, you know, and he's playing along. And, and I'm sure by the time that was over, he couldn't wait to get downtown to plug the guitar and play some real music for somebody he wanted to hear, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. of course. And not even, like, headlining necessarily. His first recording that we have, and I think you've got some of the information in front of you, mm -hmm. he is... Uh, kind of a side man he comes in in the middle of the set mm -hmm. it was planned but um he's uh joining in on this gig and i think you've got the numbers on the right side indicate what we're starting with uh number five there maybe you could tell us the, who and where and what and when track number five you mean here uh yeah, with the with the one all the way to the right there all right so this uh, if i'm le if i'm reading this right this is laura yes i think it's I think the way I think it's Burke's works first. Oh, oh so we're not starting with track number five. Yeah, number five. I have, uh, I have Burke's works as number four, but the Whitney Kelly. Okay, yeah. The Whitney Kelly said, yeah. yeah. So, um, and I, I, 
Yeah, I'm pretty sure this is the right. Oh, I have the wrong piece of paper. Oh, sorry. No, no, uh, it's all right. Get, get up and yell at my assistant. My fault. Uh, yeah, I don't have an assistant. I'm, I'm gonna, that guy's got to go. Uh, Went Kelly, Larry Ridley, Jimmy Cobb, and Wes Montgomery sitting in on a few tracks. And track number five is Burke's Works. Yes, indeed. All right. So we're come on. We're getting the uh, WKCR chopper. We're flying downtown. Hey, hey. Turning the clock back to 1965. I think it's November. Hmm. 12th or December 11th, one or the other. <laughs> well, whichever one's a Friday night. So if somebody wants to do that calculation. Oof. But yeah, here it is. Okay, music that uh, almost never heard on uh, Deep Focus on WKCR. I'm your host, Mitch Goldman. Mark Whitfield here in the studio with me. Hey, hey. And this is West Montgomery at Half Note Deep Focus on WKCR. Works. 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 It works. Works,
Montgomery. West Montgomery with the Winton Kelly Trio. And we should have a special hand tonight for Mr. Larry Ridley, who is sitting in for Paul Chambers on bass. Mr. Larry Ridley on bass. There's a tune called Four on Six. Thank you. 
That's a tune called Four on Six. West Montgomery is featured with the Winton Kelly Trio, with Winton Kelly at the piano. Jimmy Cobb on drums, and Larry Ridley is sitting in for, for Paul Chambers on bass. Just want to remind you, this group will be here for another week. And I would suggest you come by and visit. After that, we'll have uh, the pleasure of presenting here at the Half Note, Clark Terry and Bob Brookmeyer with the quintet. I also want to remind you all to stay tuned, of course. Uh, <laughs> I say stay tuned, but what I'm talking about is be with us tomorrow afternoon for our jazz matinee show from 3 until 6. And then the sounds of the big band, which is also jazz-orientated, from 10 until midnight here at WABC-FM. Yeah, the beautiful sounds of jazz, live and stereo. Another thing um, which I wanted to make mention of, we'll have an artist with us, one of our great jazz artists, Lucky Thompson, who will be uh, with us as our guest. We'll interview him and talk about a, a good number of things and play some of the new releases that he has out currently. Lucky Thompson with us tomorrow afternoon. So actually until three, <laughs> stay beautiful. And the pretty Laura. <laughs> you are at the Half Note down on Spring Street. It's 1965, and Winton Kelly's leading a trio. Great one with Larry Ridley on the bass, Jimmy Cobb on the drums. And a fellow came by to sit in on guitar. Mm. West Montgomery. The show's called Deep Focus. I'm your host, Mitch Goldman, and I am so happy to have Mark Whitfield here in the studio with me. Hey, 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 hey. Wow. All kinds of thoughts come to mind when listening to that. Uh, um, man, just, uh, you know, uh, just kind of nerd out for a second. Is it, eight, you know, an eight-bar eight passage where he played these uh, eighth-note triplets and chord, this chord thing? Um, it was at, at that, you know, that intensity, that fast is something he rarely attempted, uh, uh, you know, in a, in a formal recording session. And I was just telling you off air, you know, it's interesting how we we sort of as as musicians have this have this notion that if we play it a little bit uh, a little bit more conservative and a little bit that somehow people will be able to somehow that'll make it more palatable. But if we give them a little bit more, we might lose everybody. And and then you come to find out people just want you to go for it and play, man. Let's see what you got, you know. And 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 so uh, um, it's so these these recordings are gems and 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 just it's it's a, a wonderful uh, a wonderful thing, you know, to hear Wes do this. And you know, and it's also interesting interesting enough that now these videos are going around cir circulating with him uh, uh, leading musicians through rehearsal, these rehearsal things, you know, because the narrative about uh, um, whether or not a musician can read or what they know, uh, how, what they know about music is, is, is often far exaggerated. And so it's really wonderful to hear, hear Wes uh, uh, talk about uh, leading these guys through a rehearsal he's mentioned telling them you know in very specific harmonic terms up half steps are going through cycles and things and I had someone recently sort of debate with me whether or not George Benson could read music and I said look man I sat there and watched George Benson read music I said Quincy Jones taught him how to read music he, 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 that's not his default setting he went for years without knowing how to read but let's face it we're not talking about rocket science here reading music is six lines and five spaces you know whatever four, five, you know what I mean because like there it is you know it's only 12 notes it ain't that hard so uh, um, 
It's just, you know, we often, oftentimes are, are quick to dismiss the sophistication that goes along with these geniuses. And it's just lovely to hear some of these things coming to surface, coming to light now to give young people, especially musicians, two or three generations behind me now, uh, 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 you know, uh, some insight into these, into these uh, living, into these, you know, these masters and legends of the music. Because I had the opportunity to interact with people who knew him. You know, I, I remember as I was getting to know George Benson, he had so many stories that he shared with me uh, uh, about his about his early days with Wes. You know, and 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 one of the things was, he said, you know, uh, Grant Green had a had a steady gig at a place uptown, and so when when Wes was in town, if George was here, Wes would say, hey man, come on, we're going up to see Grant. You know, and sit in and play, and and, they, and they'd all kind of sit in and take turns. You know, playing. And and uh, I was, in, uh, you know, a, sort of a notion about Grant was that he he was sort of this really easygoing musician, didn't have a lot of chops, did play, you know, and, and unfortunately that's 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 the picture that a lot of his recordings painted, but it wasn't true of him at all, and uh, you could really get your feelings hurt stepping on stage with Grant, you know, in front of a live <laughs> audience because he had a whole lot more to play and a whole lot more. Uh, uh, to offer than his recordings sometimes suggested. And 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 uh, George said one time, he said they got up there, and Wes played, he was all, you know, did his thing all smooth, you know, and we sat back down. Grant started playing, and, and he invited George up, and, and uh, Grant and, Wes, and George said, uh, Grant said, hey, uh, that old Montgomery ain't bad, but he needs to get up that thumb and get him a pick, right? It's 95, <laughs> you know. And so just the idea that, you know, him talking smack about each other, and, right. you know, and, 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 uh, and that... Um, for as great as all these cats were, you know, they uh, uh, they didn't intimidate each other. They, they challenged each other, and they rose to the occasion, you know. And so, uh, uh, hearing West play in this in, in this in this format reminds me of that spirit. That's why they're there. We're going for it. We're ch- challenging ourselves, seeing what we, you know. That's that's why we do this. No one sits in a small room learning how to play an instrument for hours and hours and hours and hours just to get out there and you know and take a stroll. You want to be, <laughs> but I agree with you. I think I definitely hear. Wes easing up on the brake and letting yeah. the throttle down a little bit, yeah. maybe more than a little bit. But he doesn't sound like he's trying to kill anybody. Sounds like he's like it's like you know, taking off the suit and putting on a you know a, a sweatsuit or whatever and and yeah. being himself. Well, I mean, you know, he you know it, it was an elegance. You know, he was an elegant. You know, uh, even George to call him. George Benson always referred to Wes as this elegant blues player. Uh, uh, there was a certain amount of that. You have to, we have to remember how old Wes was and, and at what point in his life we're hearing him now. You know, Wes was on the road in the late 40s playing with Lionel Hampton Big Band, and Wes often referred to that period as the time when he did his best playing. You know, he came off the road to go home to tend to his family, and he had, you know, uh, a bunch of children, and he wanted to be, you know, he, he wasn't necessarily a, um, a fan of life on the road and all that, and so... By the time we're hearing him again, you know, thanks to Cannonball Adderley and Oren Keep News in 1959, 60, 61, on from then, he's an older guy. And when I say older, I mean, I'm, not, I'm telling you in his 40s, but listen, you know, I can tell you right now, the, 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 you know, the, those videos that have surfaced of myself and, and Roy Hargrove and Chris McBride, you know, you know, playing at Bradley's when we were 20 and 21, we never matched that amount of fire again. You know yeah. what I mean? You know, I, listen, I, I play as hard as I possibly can every night, but I'm 56 and that ain't happening to me. You know, it's, it's yeah. just, it's, it's, it's that, just that, that, that's a young man's game. 
that well, well, what you're sure. talking about. And, yeah. and so as you get older, other things take you take place in that. Sure, there's fire, there's energy. I can still bring the heat. Yeah. But it's just there's so many other things that I'm mindful of. That unbridled energy is something you know. And so, so uh, uh, Wes had was fully matured and, and had and had the, and had the benefit of a you know a world of of life experiences and had traveled the world. And, and we're hearing him fully refined at this point. And it's still nice to hear him sort of putting putting the pedal to the metal and giving us a little extra. Yeah. And I, it's just, I'm sitting here with my, every time he, we're talking, but every time he's, he plays, I'm like, hold on a second. My mouth is like, hold on, I can't, I can't, my jaw drops, I can't miss that, you know. Now, but um, maybe you can unpack that a little bit, what we're talking about. I mean, he's, are you hearing a different vocabulary? Are you hearing him playing with more bite? Or is it just he sounds unburdened? What do you, what do you think? Um... Yeah, you know, there's something about about all of about uh, any great improviser when they sound completely free. Uh, and let me not uh, um, confuse anyone with, with my terminology. When when you're playing free, it has to do with being in the zone first of all. So you have this thing where you hear, you imagine a sound or a phrase or an idea, and it it, it directly and it immediately and directly translates to the notes you're playing. So you feel like if you wanted to play 30 courses, take a 10-minute solo, every note would be another, like, a, a, you know, just a, another step deeper into this experience. You're not just repeating yourself or playing things you've practiced. In fact, you know, uh, you've, you've kind of lost sight of all that, and now this, you really are into this spontaneous creativity, which, which, is, which is what improvisation is really all about. Uh, so you're hearing Wes here playing free, um, it's not so much uh, uh, whether it's a different vocabulary. It's just uh, an extension of his vocabulary because it's not just based on the phrases that we all practice and the things that we all prepare so that you have something to play. It's what happens when you draw on, on these things you've practiced to help you sort of open the door to a creative space, and it works. And you, now you're there, and he's he's you know he's with musicians who he, he greatly admired. He loved playing with Wynn Kelly, and he loved playing with Jimmy Cobb. You know what I'm? Mean? He loved playing with Larry Ridley. So you know here he's got three cats that are playing the kind of music he wants to hear, playing it the way he wants to play it, and they're inspiring him to you know to uh, um, to dig deeper and reach further with no limits. You know, and there's no there's, there's nobody saying, okay, we're getting to four minutes, it's too long, you know, you know, you know, you don't you don't have the sterile environment of a recording studio. It's just he's having fun playing and we're and we're there listening and you know and, and so uh, um you know, all of us, uh, we all uh, long for those moments, you know, and, and remember them and, and, and aspire to, you know, to recreate them whenever we can. Where you feel uh, at your best physically sharp and, and and completely you know connected and in command mentally you know and then spiritually uh, uh you know the spiritual energy is the glue that connects those two things how, how important is the audience is it because i mean it sounds like i don't know how much of a vibe you can get listening to this but it sounds like he's kind of with his people yeah i mean you have to imagine you know this is an environment where there, you know there wasn't a there wasn't like a, a you know uh, you know, a, a, a hot house magazine where they were like, "Get down to the half note tonight," and Wes is going to be there sitting in. Like, so these are the people that would that would have been there anyway on this night, checking out the live broadcast, seeing what seeing what was you know they would, 
And so, it's, of course, it's just, it, this reminds me so much of what Bradley's was for us in in, in the 80s. You yes. Know? You walk in, like, I remember playing at, you know, playing at Bradley's, and one night I was playing there, I think myself and Chris McBride and, and Greg Hutchinson playing trio. And I played with my eyes closed most of the time, and I opened my eyes, and I looked up, and I can remember seeing Kenny Barron and George Benson sitting at a table in the MJQ at the bar and Betty Carter and Carmen McCray. You know, you, you know and, and Percy Heath and Shaka Khan walked in. Like, you just, you know, they, yeah. they were, it, it, those are your people. And they got there for the for the, for the the midnight or the 3, 2 a.m. set. But before that, it was just all the hip jazz people. Maybe you could you know. talk a, just a little pencil sketch for people who don't know about Bradley's, which, I mean, there are people, I know there are people all over New York listening to this going, Ah, Bradley. <laughs> sure. Oh my God. Right, like, right, right, like it's just a, a little tear for Bradley's, right? So, for, you know, for those of you who never had the pleasure, Bradley's was just, you know, basically a small bar uh, on University between I think 11th and 12th, you know, somewhere uh, right uh, there, yeah, 12, 13, 11, right 12th, 12th, 10th, 11, somewhere right there. Um, and you, you know, uh, you walk in. It was it was one of those long, narrow bars. So you walk in, and there were tables on the left side and a long bar on the right side. And sort of three quarters of the way to the end of the, you know, going back to the back wall, there was a piano and a stage and then a, a slight sort of right turn. And then you continue going in the same configuration to the back where there was a kitchen and some restrooms. And that was the whole thing. Uh, um, and this guy, Bradley Cunningham, was an amateur, you know, jazz piano player. He loved piano, and he opened this bar. And it was just so that he could hire or, or, or welcome his favorite piano players to play there, mostly without drums. So that was the thing. It was a lot of, a lot of duos and trios with, with no drums. Um, and on any given night, the literally the world's greatest jazz piano players would be there. That's where, that's where I first saw and played with Tommy Flanagan and Kirk Lightsey and uh, uh, John Hicks and, and you know, Ronnie Matthews and uh, uh, just on and on. And it was always amazing. And, and, and uh, um, you, played, you played a set at 10. You played another set. You played 10 to 11, 12 to 1, and 2 to 3. And the 2 a.m. set was the best set every night, seven nights a week. Well, there were people would just kind of land there at the oh, end yeah. of the night. You know, the other places would close up. Or well, so that, that was the meeting place. Like, I, you know, if, as for, I mean, I was really young at that point. You know, just, you know, I have 21, 20, you know. And so we'd go there just to see the cats come in. You know, Wendy, you know, because Bradley had passed by this point, and, and and Wendy Cunningham, his wife, who kept the club kept, kept it open, would let us play late, you know, sit in sometimes. And me and Roy and McBride and those guys let us play, Benny Green and Jeff Keezer. But uh, you know, Art Blakey was there every night. He yeah. you know, yeah. cast, you know, I'm, you know, the MJQ was playing. They were subbing for uh, um, for Bobby uh, Bobby Short at the, at oh, the wow. Carlisle. Yeah, right. And, and so they were playing a month at the Carlisle for him. But they were at the, you know, uh, not John, not. Uh, uh, but Connie Kay and Percy and 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 uh, uh, Milt Jackson, yeah. they were there. You know, John Lewis, and, but they were there every night, just about every night hanging. You know, it was it was the who's who of jazz. Everybody went to. That's why she kept the place. Yeah. The last set was from two to three, so all the cast could come. Yeah, and, yeah. Then, and then it was open till four or five. You know, and and, and I saw some pretty amazing things in there. Yeah, uh, and people uh, would music. get that. Sometimes those guys would get up and play too. Oh yeah, oh for sure. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. How good we had it. Yeah, we did. <laughs> How sure. good we have it right now. <laughs> the show's called Deep Focus. I'm your host, Mitch Goldman. Mark Whitfield's here with me. And at his direction, we are turning our deep focus on West Montgomery. And it's 1965. We're at the half note. The, well, I was going to call it the Bradley of its, of its day. Maybe Bradley's was the half note of its day. <laughs> but um, 
It was the spot. It was definitely the spot that night. Yeah. So that was it. We heard half a set. So this was really Winton Kelly's set, and Wes sat in the last half of it. That was on, uh, I'm going to say December 11th, 1965. I'm going to turn the clock back to um, September 24th. Very similar. Same uh, rhythm section. And again, they've just uh, finished uh, half the set, and stepping up is Wes. So anything else we need to tell the folks? Just let them listen. Let let it rip. All right. Here we go. Deep focus on WKCR. And the pretty Laura.
Montgomery with the Linton Kelly Trio. That sure is pretty, Laura. Which one do we do now, Wes? Do we take the uh, afternoon in Paris? Or, or you want to do Caribbean? Cariba. All right, we'll do that, all right? Afternoon in Paris. Or Cariba. Cariba, okay. Yeah, this is a nice thing. Cariba!
Wes Montgomery, Cariba. I see where there's a very dear friend of yours there, Mr. Paul Coughlin, of course, who was... He used to be, not anymore. <laughs> Paul is a very dear friend of West Montgomery's. And, and of course, uh, uh, tomorrow night with our Sounds of the Big Bands, the show before that, the Almanac of Folk Music, of course, Mr. Paul Coughlin will be handling. He is one of our most efficient gentlemen, you know, at WABC-FM. As we continue with our show, we've got just a couple of more minutes, Wes, and... Uh, We'll do part of the thing. Some of all we possibly can. Play a theme. <laughs> Little blues. Huh?
that's a little blues, see? And these, of course, have been the beautiful sounds of jazz here on Fortress and Jazz, live from the half note. Presenting Winston Kelly with the trio and the fabulous West Montgomery. And everyone here is enjoying themselves. We'd love for many of our listeners to come by here on a Friday night. And, of course, join us here at WABC-FM. I'll be back tomorrow afternoon with our jazz matinee show from 3 until 6. Part of the cost of this stereo remote broadcast is afraid by the Half Note Club, remote engineering by Sid Simon, Dick Sis, and Ron Sims. This is Alan Grant until tomorrow at 3. Stay beautiful. You are listening to WKCR-FM New York, WKCR-HD, 89.9 FM, WKCR.org around the world. And uh, a week from tonight, this show is going to join all the others on the Deep Focus podcast. You can subscribe right now, actually, and you'll get a notification. Uh, You'll find it probably on your favorite podcasting app or the hosting site is mitchgoldman.podbean.com. Dot com, no commercials, no nothing, no 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 money coming in. <laughs> Why does he do it, folks? Because he loves it, baby. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Thank but God I, you do. But yes, giving it all away. So uh, tell the folks you can hear it there. But and especially if you just tuned in, you definitely want to do that because we've just had a fantastic hour. My guest is Mark Whitfield. Hey hey. Our focus is on West Montgomery. Hmm. Mark, you've got uh, ears for this like few, few others. I say I would say none others, but I'm saying few others for a very particular reason, which we're coming to in a minute. But uh, what were we hearing in that last set when I wasn't gabbing at you? All right. So first we heard we heard Laura, right, which is uh, – um, and, you know, I remember hearing Wes play uh, – um, Oh, Jesus. And he played, um, Portrait of Jenny. And he plays it, and he plays it, uh, um, you know, he uses that old, uh, for all of the, you know, the, the way we all sort of jones for those wonderful old tube amps, Wes played a Standell solid state amp that had a tremolo, <laughs> a vibrato tremolo switch on it. And he would, you know, he plays those gorgeous ballads, plays the melodies with the tremolo setting on, you know. Uh, um, and uh, somehow, it's even cooler when he does it, right? It's it's just amazing. And then he switches it off and he blows and whatever. Um, and his version of Laura is just gorgeous. Uh, uh, and then um, and we heard Kariba, right? Uh, um, I have often said uh, there is a tra- there's a song at the end of the of, of, of the trio album. Um, it's called. Uh, it's just called West Montgomery, right? Uh, uh, it's called Portraits of West, and the 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 song at the end is a Latin tune where he takes like the most amazing chord solo I think I'd ever heard him play. Uh, yes, it's uh, uh, the, the Yesterday's Child, right? Um, I'm sorry, no, it's Lolita, Lolita uh, on on, and so, and I was I would have argued you to the ground that Lolita was, until I heard this. Wow. <laughs> and wow. I grew I was just like, wow. <laughs> so to anyone that I have ever, you know, 
you know, uh, uh, you, you know, had <laughs> you're been walking standing, this back. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm, I'm coming. I'm, I'm offering you a formal apology. Wow, this is the most amazing combination of single notes, chords, and octaves I've ever heard. West play. Yeah, he well, and he to me, he's the emperor of that. I mean, for sure, for yeah. sure. But uh, yeah, that was that blew my mind. Yeah, yeah. and it's just uh, just a quiet little Friday night downtown, <laughs> a yeah. little hole in the wall joint. Man, so yeah, we are we are uh, immersed in West right now, and it all the more appropriate because March sixth was the centenary of his birth. Wow, and uh, West died relatively young, which is uh, sad to for all to contemplate. Especially you were talking about speaking with some of his contemporaries and people that played with him. Sure, sure. And um, but uh, and what a what a an impact he's had. I mean, is he? I don't know. I always feel like whatever I'm listening to, whenever I do one of these shows, hmm. whatever we're focusing on, that just seems like that artist is the center of the world while we're doing it. But I mean, for guitar players, obviously different people have their favorites, but it just feels like he he really changed the game. Sure, but you know, I I I, I, I always try to urge anyone who's approaching that subject where you're going now to just ma- try to maintain her historical perspective. I mean, when you think about Charlie Christian dying at 26 and, and doing what go. he did with the guitar, um, f- coming from where he came from, playing with whom he played, and forever changing the direction of the instrument, I don't think anything, uh, uh, including the way he inspired Wes, I don't think anything will ever come close to that, only because he did it in five years. True, right. so true, and yeah. With most of that being spent playing with, with uh, uh, um, Benny Goodman, Benny Goodman. Yeah. <laughs> right? I mean, like, you know. Uh, um, and uh, and at a time when he certainly uh, was not welcomed in most places to play, and, and he, you know, he was coming from Oklahoma. Like, I just, where, how does that even happen, right? <laughs> so, sure, you know, Wes, uh, the two of them were like they were dropped here by aliens for sort, for certain. Yeah. But, uh, we, but we, you know, without, I, I don't, I can't, I couldn't possibly uh, um, uh, uh, talk about, talk about gu- guitar and, 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 and the center of the universe in that light without, without mentioning Charlie Christian, because he's literally the grandfather of us all. Very, very true. Very, very true. Well, I mean, and what, no need to compare, really, because. Well, there is, I mean, you can't. Yeah, they, right. Everybody, yeah, they yeah. each have their own place yeah. in it, of course. Um yeah. But I was saying that to lead into, I think I got in touch with you first. You weren't available mm. March 6th. You put me in touch with Rodney Jones. Oh, yeah, for sure. And we had a blast. I had a great time here with Rodney. But that man, he is a zealot. <laughs> oh, for sure. First of all, he's just, a, he's just an encyclopedia <laughs> of all things guitar and music and, and Wes. And just, he's just, he's a wellspring of, <laughs> yeah. of, 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 you know, of, Priceless information. It's just yeah, he's. Yeah. I had no idea until yeah. we got into it. Oh yeah, he knocked me off, took the top of my head clean off. Sure he did. And then he went one step behind. <laughs> <laughs> and this is what he did. He played a recording that he said was of West practicing alone in a hotel room. He said he said that's what he had been told, and he was convinced. Uh-huh. I don't want to overstate it. Okay, okay. Because he yeah. he didn't have a completely direct line to. The origin of it, but he did say something. Well, you'll—I'd like to play it for you. I'd like to uh, play him setting it up, okay. introducing it, and play that track itself. Mm-hmm. And I'd like to hear your impressions. Absolutely, I can't wait to hear this. All right, okay. So this is where 
turning the clock back a couple of months. If I hear the Wheel of Fortune in the background, <laughs> I know Rodney yeah, was lying. Exactly. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> All right, let's see what we got. Let's see what we got. I think uh, finding anything that's unreleased by West Montgomery, or even rarely released. You know, if you can't find it unreleased, if you can find something that's rarely heard, that alone is extraordinary. You know, because it's brilliant, and it's like you know, it's like you you found a treasure. You you, you found a, a pearl in an oyster. Well, I have a, a dear friend who's a brilliant, brilliant guitarist. Uh, not not terribly well known, but man. A creative genius in his own right. His name is Charles Epps. We've been friends for you know forty years, and uh, so hello, if, Charles, if you're listening. Yeah, if you're listening, Charles, thank you so much. And you know, Charles is one of these unheralded geniuses of the guitar who has a completely talk about authentic. He has his own sound, his own way of playing, and it's brilliant, and I love it. And he shared with me. He said, you know, by the way, a friend of mine gave me a recording of Wes practicing in a hotel room. You know. He, you know, yeah, he he was friends with Wes, and you know, Wes. Yeah, he, he said, Wes, hey, I got this new tape recorder. You, you know, I'm gonna come by your hotel room. Can I bring in and record your practice? And Wes was like, okay. And so he took it, and Wes is, you know, in his hotel room, just warming up or whatever have you. And he, this guy recorded it. This is the story that I've heard. Um, so naturally, you know, I was salivating, you know, like, yeah. oh my, you know, I had ear, ear drippings, you know, because of, I can't, like, I can't wait to hear this thing. You and know? now, just backing up for a moment, uh, the world is not awash in unfamiliar West Montgomery recordings. To my knowledge, this is the only, this is the first time this has ever been heard publicly, to my knowledge. And there's nothing else similar to it. I've never heard anything of West Montgomery practicing at all. This is uh, here on this 100th anniversary of his birth, and this is coming to light for the first time. I mean, I gave you the PayPal. <laughs> <laughs> you, I had to bring it. Look at it. <laughs> the Bitcoin. <laughs> the Bitcoin. Yeah, that, we'll see how that goes, you know. Yeah. Shiba Inu. Yeah, oh, that's, that's going well. Uh, but, uh, you know, uh, so anyway, Charles... Uh, I was at Juilliard teaching at the time, and he came to, to the school. He did a master class, and it was brilliant. And then afterwards, I, he said, I, "He said, let me play this thing for you." And so I, he put it on, and like I, my mouth just dropped to the floor. It, it is, I mean, it's unbelievable the the dexterity, the speed, the clarity. Now, I will say this as a caveat, in case anyone's listening and wants to dispute if this is legitimate or not. I cannot independently verify what this is. I can't say, you know, chain of custody that it came from this person to this. I can't say that. Maybe maybe Charles Epps can't. I can't say that. Um, it sounds impossible. Some of it sounds like, you know, like it's a crummy recording, some of it. Um, but I did do my due diligence, which is I listened extremely carefully a number of times. I slowed it down. I compared the known vocabulary that Wes played during that time to what this is, I compared the, the keys of the songs that he's practicing on to the keys he recorded the songs and all those things lined up. So if this is a forgery, this is the Leonardo da Vinci of forgers. If it's altered in some way, I can't say that it is or isn't. Either way, whatever this is and whoever this is, and I believe, it, I believe it's Wes Montgomery, it is genius level the most, uh, oh God, the most technically <laughs> proficient and 
linear advanced West Montgomery that I had ever heard to date. And that's what we're going to share with you now. I will say, if there's a pair of ears better prepared to make such an evaluation, I don't know whose they would be. George Benson. George Benson? Okay. Oh, uh, <laughs> Just to clarify. Right. Yeah. All right. Okay. We have to tell ourselves the truth. You say, <laughs> I'm, re- I'm really great, but I, I, I understand that, you know, when I'm around, you know, when I'm around George Benson, I become a kid again, yeah. you know, and I'm cool with that, you know? Yeah. Well, yeah, no, uh, in all seriousness, this is, uh, for those of us who love this music, you are now Inside, I'm going to give another throwback. You're in the inner sanctum. You are. This is 10 minutes and 35 seconds of Wes Montgomery in his hotel room just practicing tunes. You're forbidden to record this, anyone? Yes. (laughs) Don't, don't, don't. Just don't. It's WKCR. Go ahead. Here we go. Focus from May 8th, 2023. Mark Whitfield, my guest, and our topic, the magnificent West Montgomery. And you heard Mark listening to and commenting on this astonishing document that Rodney Jones had come in with a couple of months ago of Wes apparently, uh, putatively, practicing alone in a hotel room, something that's the likes of which are not known to exist. And yet here it is, perhaps. So um, we don't have our, our little techno issues continued. We do not have these next few minutes of Mark listening back. But if you listen to part two, you will hear Mark's comments having listen so i'll see you over there if you do want to hear the rest of that recording and i think you should if you got this far in this program here's what you want to do find deep focus from march 6th 
2023, March 6, 2023, Rodney Jones, my guest, again, on the topic of West Montgomery. Um, you know, you can find, you can search on past episodes of Deep Focus. There are hundreds of them. Go to my personal website, mitchgoldman.com, pull down the About Deep Focus tab, and you'll find a Google search bar there. And for instance, you can enter the name West Montgomery and every show I've done about West Montgomery should come up, including that one from March 6, 2023 with Rodney Jones. Meanwhile, if you want to hear the rest of the Mark Whitfield show, you've heard part one of three parts. Meet me over at part two. Once again, this is May 8th, 2023. Mark Whitfield on the topic of West Montgomery. See you over there.